0: Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. They know how to actually almost take on the traits of whoever it is that they're targeting so that they seem perfect for that person. But they move very quickly into the relationship because they really want to move right to the next phase of the relationship. It's kind of an exhausting phase for them. It's not the phase that they really want to be in. It's kind of a, they're making deposits because they want to take out withdrawals. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, Victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zong, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. And today we are going to be exploring the intriguing world of how narcissists actually unknowingly sabotage their own lives, surprising ways that they do that. It's really, really surprising and shocking to me how they do that because you think that they are on top of the world and many times they try to make you think that too. And sometimes it seems like they are, but there are some shocking ways that they sabotage sabotage their own lives. Understand that at the core is number one, the lack of empathy and emotional disconnect that they have. And so that's number one is where they start off with sabotaging their own lives because Understand it's difficult for them to step into someone else's shoes and truly understand the emotions of the people around them. They want to, they try, they even try to mirror it, they try to like pretend, they try to like look to see how other people are acting and do that, you know. But the truth of the matter is, they just don't have it. They have this emotional disconnect and it can have profound consequences on their personal relationships, and even their professional lives. So understand that empathy is the ability to recognize and understand the feelings and perspective of other people. And when someone lacks empathy, they struggle to connect and have emotional experiences with people that they interact with and it leads to misunderstandings and strained relationships. So that's number one. Number two is Manipulative behavior, which causes broken relationships. Narcissists constantly manipulate. That's like their way of being. They don't realize that they can act like a normal person. They just constantly manipulate people and they use their charm and charisma to serve their own interests. That manipulative tendency heavily impacts their interactions with others and it leads to broken relationships on both personal. Personal and professional fronts. You know, they use deception, they use guilt to influence other people to get what they want and to gain attention and admiration over situations and the needs. Of others. So for example, let's take somebody named Lisa. Let's say she's super charming and very captivating in one sense, but then she uses manipulation to deceive her romantic partner and her manipulation tactics cause immense emotional harm. And when the truth eventually surfaces, it leaves this trail of broken trust and heartache. That's number two. Number three is constant need for validation and constant need for attention. And then this ends up leading to sabotaging their own life. This is any kind of narcissist, whether it's covert or grandiose. They take it to extreme levels, constantly needing that approval, constantly sabotaging their own relationships. Of course, we all want to feel seen, heard, and know that we matter. That's normal. But it becomes overwhelming for a narcissist. Constant, their self-worth depends on this. And it's exhausting. Like It's so exhausting, right? I mean, you just feel so totally and utterly depleted. I know I've been there, that's for sure. And if you guys are dealing with this and you are trying to negotiate with a narcissist in any way, make sure you grab my free ebook at winmynegotiation.com. It's a free 15 Page ebook, which has helped so many people win their negotiations. You can get that at winmynegotiation.com. But, you know, an example of constant need for validation and attention would be somebody named Mark, whose life revolved around needing excessive admiration from his friends and his family and colleagues. And his actions were motivated by desperate desire to be the center of attention, but Mark's relentless pursuit of validation left him feeling neglected. He never was able to form genuine connections because everything was built on shallow foundations. This is like this empty sieve inside. It's like hollow, constant, constant, constant. Who wants to fill that all the time? Nobody does. It's just exhausting. If you need additional support, I have a free private Facebook group, Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Zung, and you are very, very welcome to join that. It's on Facebook, Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Zung. And if you don't have access to therapy, we have a sponsor on this channel for online therapy. There's better help and you can get access that with at betterhelp.com forward slash Rebecca Zung. It is a sponsor for us. So we receive commissions. It doesn't cost you any extra. We just want you to have access to help and support that you can trust. Next is number four, which is their inability to handle criticism and failure. You know, they're so oversensitive, so oversensitive, so easily slighted. Criticism and failure are regular Aspects of life that we all encounter at some point, but narcissists often react so negatively with feedback and be so defensive and so hostile. Sometimes, you know, they think you're criticizing them and you're not even criticizing them. They react so negatively, it robs them of valuable opportunities for personal growth. Honestly, they might quit jobs, they might like get out of relationships so quickly. For example, James would be like a talented individual who, instead of being able to take constructive criticism from his boss, he perceived it as a personal attack and it hindered his career. It left him stagnant. He was unable to advance in his career. Who wants to be around somebody like that? Nobody does. A lot of times, these are the people that are criticizing everybody else. They dish it out but can't take it kind of people. The Last one is shocking of shocking ways that narcissists sabotage their own lives is short-term gratification and impulsive decision making. Narcissists are often extremely drawn to instant gratification and impulsive decision making. You know they're extremely impulsive. They want that like temporary fix. They go for the short-term thing. They're extremely quick fix thing. They don't look at the long-term consequences of their decisions. And you know what? A lot of times, if you're in a relationship with a narcissist, you end up dealing with the cleanup and aisle six. You're the one that ends up having to go clean up their freaking mess when they can't handle what happens after the fallout of their impulsive decision making. I know that I've been in that situation before myself. They want that immediate reward. They want that immediate pleasure. They don't think about the potential consequences of their actions. So for example, look at Chris, who was indulged in impulsive spending to boost his ego. Immediate gratification led him to buying luxury. Items and showing off his possessions, but you know, left him in debt. Another person would be somebody like Emma, who sought immediate gratification in pursuit of her admiration and made rash decisions without considering long term effects on her education and her career and struggled to find genuine success and fulfillment. Those are the five shocking ways that narcissists sabotage their own lives. I can tell you that for me, I have seen it in negotiations they take themselves down to take you down today i'm going to be talking about eight ways that narcissists sabotage their own lives yes they actually do believe it or not so what's the first way that narcissists actually sabotage their own lives how do they do this you know you you think that they don't but they do well The first way that they do this is through being just generally rude to people. I mean, eventually they do sabotage themselves because they're just rude to people. And yes, they start off with this whole love bombing thing. And for those of you who aren't aware of how a narcissist functions in the world, it is actually pretty crazy to me because. I didn't really realize that they have these patterns. I mean, yeah, they're they're horrible and heinous to deal with, but they they really do have a pattern in how they show up and function in the world whether it's in a business relationship, your neighbor, or whoever it is, the way that they interact with the world is actually the same. So they start off with this, what they call the idealistic phase or the, the love bombing phase, which is they come on super strong, they seem perfect, they're very chameleon-like, they know how to actually almost Take on the traits of whoever it is that they're targeting so that they seem perfect for that person. But they move very quickly into the relationship because they really want to move right to the next phase of the relationship. It's kind of an exhausting phase for them. It's not the phase that they really want to be in. It's kind of a, they're making deposits because they want to take out. Withdrawals. You know, you've heard the phrase butter somebody up. I mean, they really are kind of buttering them up. You know how somebody butters up a turkey because they want to eat it. I mean, they're not buttering up a turkey just because they want to put butter on it. They want to eat the turkey, right? So that's kind of what it is in a kind of disgusting way, but it is sort of what it is. They've, they've loved on the person. Now they're devaluing the person and then they go into love bomb, devaluing, and then the discard phase. But whether it's them discarding or the other person discarding, it's kind of like those three phases of the relationship. And by the way, they're not linear necessarily. They can go back and forth depending on what's convenient for them. And it's that way, whether it's a covert narcissist or an overt narcissist. And by the way, I have videos on YouTube on the different types of narcissists and also on the phases of these narcissistic relationships. It's kind of crazy how I didn't even realize that there were these different phases of the relationship, that there were these different types of narcissists or any of that sort of thing. I can tell you this, that when I discovered that there was a covert narcissist, the one that I was dealing with in particular was female, at the time thought narcissists were male. I thought that narcissists were boastful, bragging, kind of misogynistic, sort of loud. I mean, I had this picture in my mind of what a narcissist was. And so I remember when somebody pointed out to me that this person that I was dealing with was a covert narcissist. I remember thinking, I don't think she's a narcissist. I think she's just really insecure. But of course, narcissists are very insecure, right? Going back to number one, that they're very rude to people. They have to eventually show their true colors because it's difficult for them to maintain a certain level of niceness, for lack of a better word, it's difficult for them to say, I have to stay in this facade all the time. So they do eventually sort of sabotage themselves because they can't hold that and And I am going to get through eight of these, and, and I'm saving the best one for the end, because I have seen this in negotiations where they completely, completely torpedo themselves totally to the point where it's almost laughable if it weren't people's lives. You know what I mean? Okay. So that's number one. Number two, number two is they're just completely not self-aware. They end up doing this self-sabotage because they're not self-aware about how they interrupt people, how they can be abrupt to people, how they come off to people. A lot of people don't end up liking them very much, to be honest with you, because they're not self-aware. The people who aren't necessarily their Targets, you know, the ones that they're working on grooming and conditioning, where they're working really hard to make sure that they're under their spell and their control, they may not realize how they're being perceived by those people. So they may end up kind of self sabotaging with those people. The other way is that they self sabotage because they do have low self esteem so they may end up sort of not forming the the best relationships or doing and saying and being and acting in the world in certain ways that caused people to not necessarily want to be around them. So that's number two. Number three. Number three is that they put their own needs first. So because they put their own needs first, who wants to be around that a lot of times? Who wants to be around somebody who is constantly putting their own needs first, where they're talking about themselves all the time. I've been around people like that where you're at lunch with them, you're at dinner with them. All they do is talk about themselves. It's a very one-sided type of relationship. I've had clients like that. It's a very, very one-sided relationship. So if all they're doing is putting their own needs first, then they will end up sabotaging their lives in that way as well. So that's number three. Number four The number four way that narcissists end up sabotaging their own lives is that they are just incapable of forming real relationships. They don't have authentic relationships with people. They don't let people in. They don't really let people see who they are. And that's really sad. So they, they're they incapable of forming true connections with people. You know, how can they? So they do end up sabotaging their own lives, even with their own children, most of the time. You know, a really good example of this, I had seen in the mini-series with Hugh Grant. I did a video on this called The Undoing of the Narcissist. The series was, was the undoing and by the way i'm going to just do a little bit of a spoiler here but you know he played this upstanding guy who was a physician and he had committed a heinous act I'll just say, for those of you who maybe want to go back and see it, I don't even know if it's still on. It was last year, but he had committed this heinous act. And then you know, he was trying to get out of it. And he was trying to put the responsibility on others, let's just say. And and the closer and closer that it got to him, at the very end, he tried to pin it on his own child. And at that point, that's when his wife knew that it definitely had to be him. Because who would do that? I mean, as far as being incapable of forming real relationships, my God, who would do that? Okay, so that's number four. Number five Is that the relationships are just transactional? I mean, that's just another way that they are sabotaging their own lives because it's like, I'll only do something for you if you do something for me. What's in it for me? You know, they will never do something for someone unless it's there's something coming back in return. How sad is that? You know, the relationships have to be transactional. And boy, do I know people like that. i only scratch your back if you scratch in mine, only if there's something in it for them. And then that is so narcissistic. I mean, it's such a very big glaring characteristic of a narcissist, that's for sure. So that's number five. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store, from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bestlife, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com com slash best life to take your retail business to the next level today. shopify.com slash best life. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the hardest thing for you to take time to do in a day? I know for me, it's anything related to self-care, yet I know it's something I need to do the most. Taking that time to work on my mental health is so important and that's why I know so many years ago that therapy was one of the best decisions of my life. It's truly been a game changer for me. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, I seriously encourage you to try BetterHelp. It's it's entirely online, it's designed to be convenient, it's flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a therapist that's perfect for you, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Just visit betterhelp.com slash negotiate today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash negotiate. Number six is how they act outrageously sometimes. And then people will definitely see it. And that is a huge red flag of a narcissist. Boy, have I seen this. You know, they just treat people horribly at a restaurant, they make a huge scene, treat this waitstaff terribly, super rude to people. And then people eventually will see how they are, where they're just outrageous. I've seen this where moms have acted awful at events where I've been there with my daughter and they make a huge scene at a theater. So when when people just out act outrageously sometimes and, and people eventually see it, then then you start to know. And by the way, this is not your problem. I mean, don't take this on. If you are in a relationship with a narcissist and you you start to feel like the narcissist in your life is sabotaging their lives, don't clean up their messes for them. Don't do it. You do not need to fix this for them. Okay? Next. They go too far. They go too far. I mean, this is beyond even acting outrageously. You know, they go too far with other things, too. They go too far with how they behave even within a relationship. It doesn't even have to be public. They push somebody's buttons with within a relationship where the person within the relationship just finally says, I'm done. No, thank you. You finally snap. You finally go, you know what? I don't think I want to do this anymore. I think that that's it. I think that that's enough. I think we're done here. So that's number seven. And number eight, I wanted to save number eight because this is the one that I see in negotiations. This is where they are really their worst enemies. And that is where they just start manipulating people just for the sake of it to their own detriment. Where in the case itself, It becomes harassment, it becomes vexatious litigation, it becomes scorched earth litigation. And that's when the judge starts to see it. That's when the world starts to see it. And that's when fees start to get assessed, and that's when sanctions start coming in. And, And that's when you start to have some serious leverage. And you start to realize, wait a minute here, what is going on? They even start to fire their own lawyer. They start making serious mistakes. They start thinking, "Oh, I can win this no matter what. They They actually start having these crazy notions like, I don't have to do anything. I don't want to in this case. I don't have to settle if I don't want to. I'm going to court no matter what. They make ridiculous demands. I've had people say to me, I'd rather pay you than her, you know, ridiculous things. They really become their own worst enemy because they're just blinded by, I just want to make the other person suffer. And that is when they really are sabotaging their own lives. And by the way, you think, oh my God, nobody's ever going to see it. Let me tell you, the world does eventually see that. Judges do see that. Mediators see that. Lawyers do see that. You do have to trust that the system sees it, the world will see it, and that justice and equity and fairness will prevail. But let me just tell you something that I tell people all the time, and that is that If you don't believe that you can win, nobody can help you. You have to believe that you can win first, okay? And you have the best evidence in your hands. You know, lawyers know the law. Judges have to apply the law. Do you have the best evidence in your hands? So you have to organize it. All right. I'm going to go through six ways that covert narcissists actually sabotage their own lives in this video. So you're going to want to watch all the way till the end. It's pretty incredible because I know you think that they're pretty stellar at sabotaging your life because they do. It's kind of like death by a thousand cuts, like, you know, nobody else sees it. And even you kind of don't see it all at once. It's it's like that frog that's sitting in the pot and you don't realize you're being boiled until you've already been boiled. Have you ever heard that metaphor before? Okay, let me just kind of go through it. So if for those of you who haven't heard it before, basically, it's you're in this pot of water. It's the frog that's in this pot of water and the water is cold and what happens is the frog doesn't realize as the water is getting warmer and warmer and warmer and they don't get out. So they just allow themselves to be boiled. And that's what happens with those of us who are dealing with covert narcissists because it's such a slow thing that you don't really realize what's happening until it's already been done. Six ways the covert narcissist sabotage their own lives. They actually do sabotage their own lives. I'm gonna go through that with you right here. Number one is that they can't control their own emotions. A lot of times they do in front of other people, but there are times that they literally snap or they they say things that are wrong or they do things that are wrong in front of the wrong people or in front of you. And then things just go wrong for them and they end up sabotaging their own lives. And they end up actually regretting what they've done or they sabotage relationships, or they sabotage situations for themselves, they sabotage business situations for themselves because they can't control their emotions. I actually saw an interview one time with a guy who was a neurosurgeon, like a neurologist, and he was talking about how people's brains can be rewired and You know, we actually are just kind of a CPU up here with our brains. You know, we think that we are who we are. And there's actually kind of this separation between who we are as a soul and who we are as this this programmed thing up on top of our neck up here. Because the thing up on top of our neck can actually be rewired. It's kind of scary, but it is true. It's just a that of neurons that are just firing and wiring together that's been programmed over time because of a set of stimuli has been presented to us and we drew conclusions. But there's this cerebral cortex that's like the reasonable part. And then there's this limbic brain that's kind of the older part of our brain, the older part of our development as humans, that is ruling our emotional part of us. And if we can't get a a hold of that, and what, what this neurosurgeon was saying is that the most important skill that we can possess as humans is this ability to be able to control our emotions? That is the most important skill that we can have as humans. Because if you can't get a hold of your emotions, then, you know, it wreaks havoc in your lives. And that's what happens with narcissists. You know, they very often can't get a hold of their emotions because their limbic system, their limbic brain wasn't fully developed because of the trauma that was caused to them as children. So they can't control their emotions. So that's number one. Number two is that they underestimate their supply by assuming that they're weak. What happens with narcissists in general, is they mistake the fact that you are a good person, that you're an empathic person, that you're a generous person, that you're a kind person for weakness. They collapse those things together. They actually think that because you're all of those things, that you know, you're a kind person, you're a good person, that that means that you're a weak person. Person, And obviously, you know that that's not true. You can be a kind person and still be a strong person, that you can be a generous person and still be a strong person, that you can be a wonderful human being and still be a strong person. I mean, look at Mother Teresa, for example, she's in their pillar of kindness. In Calcutta, taking care of lepers and the things that she was doing on a daily basis. She was two feet tall <laughs> or whatever she was. And, you know, clearly she was a strong, strong, strong person. And, you know, I don't think anybody would have said that she was weak. You know, they underestimate their supply by assuming that they're weak. So that's number two. Number three is kind of the opposite they overestimate themselves and boy do i see this a lot in negotiations they really overestimate themselves they really believe and and this is you know kind of goes hand in hand with underestimating you by the way they really overestimate themselves and their lies this is where your leverage is definitely going to come in because they lie 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 all the time all over the place And they don't assume that you are going to ever stand up to them, that you're going to go behind them and find their copies of their lies or figure it out or actually document it or actually put it together or actually create summaries of it or exhibits of it or stand up to them or create a strategy or leverage or present it to them in a way that's organized in a way that actually, the way I teach you how to do it in my slay methodology, which is strategy, leverage, anticipate, and focus on you. I actually teach you how to present in an organized negotiation fashion so that you can actually be the stronger one. But they underestimate you, they overestimate themselves, they don't anticipate that their lives are ever going to catch up with them. Unfortunate for them, wonderful for you. Let yourself be underestimated by the way. You can't have an ego in this. Allow their ego to be their downfall. As long as you give them rope, they will hang themselves with it. They will. Give them rope to hang themselves. Give them rope to hang themselves. It's a good thing. Number four they actually believe that you will continue to take their abuse because you always have they just think that you'll stick stick around and they are genuinely shocked when you don't you know even if you say i'm not going to put up with this anymore or even if they say i don't think you will when you actually stop doing that when you actually put your foot down when you actually start pivoting when you actually Start shifting that dynamic and actually start standing up to them, they are seriously like, whoa, you know, and they they will start to have a meltdown initially, and they will start to have a tantrum initially, but you can't be swayed by that. You can't worry about that. That's terrorist tactics. It's okay, you will survive. It's like a two-year-old having a tantrum on the floor. You gotta allow the two-year-old to have the tantrum, it will get worse before it gets better, but that's okay. Because eventually it does get better. So that's number four. Number five is they hold grudges. They hold big time grudges. They don't forgive. It makes for them to have lonely lives and it holds them away from people and it sabotages their relationships with people and it doesn't allow for them to have good connections with people. It keeps them away from people who might actually have truly loved them, which is very, very sad. Narcissists inherently don't believe that they're truly lovable, and so they don't feel good about themselves inside. They end up being able to have good relationships with people anyway, any narcissist at all. That's why you can't go down with the sinking ship. You got to move on because it's time for you to move on. That is number five. And I said I was going to give you six ways that covert narcissists sabotage their own lives. And I've given you five so far, five ways that covert narcissists sabotage their own lives, which means there's one more left. That is that they Have to be the victim. They have to be the victim, regardless of whether or not it costs them a relationship. I've seen them allow it to cost them family relationships. Then it makes them look like a victim, you know, because they'd rather be a victim than actually even have a, a real relationship, which is super sad you know they they'd rather have people feel sorry for them, have people go oh that's terrible. I can't believe this I can't believe that this would happen to you than actually have a real relationship with members of their own family because they'd rather have the attention from other outside sources feeling sorry for them. That's how. Sad and pathetic, they can be because they need to be the victim. And that really sabotages their own lives. That's how empty they feel. Instead of actually having a genuine, loving, whole, complete relationship that's filled with joy and light and peace and really experiencing the wholeness of what life has to offer. They're down in this low level vibration of sadness and guilt and bad feelings. It's just horrible. They do everything they can to get sympathy from other people and and making poor choices and talking bad about others. And, you know, their lives are just always this, whoa, is me. And I mean, that's total self sabotage. Who wants to live in that space? Not me. That's the worst way that covert narcissists can sabotage their own lives. That's a space you don't want to live in you do not want to live in. You want to live in a place where you are living in, feeling fulfilled. Life is so short. It will be over before you know it. I mean, when you think about how little life you actually have, I heard a statistic one time that if you subtract out the time you're sleeping and the time you're eating and the time you're driving and the time you're actually doing all the things you have to do. It's like how much time you actually have left on this planet. I think for me, I have left like, I don't know, eight years or something. It's not very much. And I sure as heck don't want to spend it feeling anything but vibrance and lightness and joy and waking up in the morning, feeling excited about life and happiness and peace and fulfillment. And that's what I want for you too. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zone. If they didn't know it was wrong, why would they lie and deny it? Obviously, they would just say what they were doing, but they know that they have to lie and deny about it. That's again, proof that they know their behavior is wrong. Are you struggling with a narcissist in your life? Whether it's a family member, a friend, a business partner, A soon to be ex, whoever it is, are you ready to shift that power dynamic? But you're just feeling like you cannot win, like everybody is believing their lies, and you're just feeling like there's just no way that you can shift that power dynamic. I've got a brand new masterclass for you. I'm sharing all my secrets, and so that you can finally take back your power and break free from this hell emotionally, physically and spiritually. I've never done this free masterclass before. Go to break free from hell and sign up. Come be with me and get my secrets so that you can finally take back your power and break free, break free from hell. And let's do this. Take a listen to our archive where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. It's like the lottery winner that you won the millions of dollars, but you didn't change your mindset, your belief system, your operating system. And so you found your way back to being broke again. And now we return to today's show. going to give you seven crazy ways that narcissists actually sabotage their own negotiations. So check it out and I'm going to save the best one for last because it is so crazy. So, And I've seen it all. I've been an attorney for more than 20 years and I have seen narcissists do the craziest things. Let me tell you, crazy. So I'm going to share it all in this video. So number one, number one is I have seen narcissists actually destroy their own businesses to destroy the other side. Let me give you an example. What they will do is they will try to get at let's say it's a divorce situation or maybe it's a business partnership what they're trying to do is actually get to the other side and so in the process of trying to take down the other side you know they they think that they're tr- just going after the other side going after the other side and you know, it's not just working. It's just really not happening the way they think it's going to. So what they do initially is they start to maybe try to get employees to be on their side, you know, and they might start talking to secretaries or they might start talking to, you know, key employees or they might start getting key employees to be, you know, go with them. Maybe they start to think, oh, I'm, going to leave this company and I'll go start my own or or something like that and then you know what they might do is you know I've actually seen where They actually get into fist fights with employees, and then employees might actually start to leave the business on purpose. You know, where the employees just start to go, I don't even want to be part of this company anymore. I am out of here. Or they start to have, you know, inappropriate. Conversations with clients, where the clients start figuring out what's going on. You know, the clients just start to go, I don't really want to be involved with what's happening here anymore because it's just, there's too much chaos going on here. So, you know, that's sort of an inadvertent situation. But sometimes they might just say, I'm not going to work anymore because. If I can't have it the way I want it, I'm not going to try to generate business anymore. So I'm not going to do any work. And then the clients start getting mad. They start not showing up at jobs the way they're supposed to. You know, so this is, you know, obviously when there's a a business that they own or they're a part owner in, or maybe that there's other partners in the business and the other partners in the business start to find out what's going on. And they the other partners find out that they're liars or that they're not doing what they're supposed to or something like that. All of these things all end up where there's basically completely self-sabotaging because at the end of the day, Now, they don't have the business anymore. It was a business that was actually very lucrative at one point or maybe made a lot of money. You know, it was either very valuable and made a lot of money. And now they themselves are destroying their own source of income or their own source of, you know, a, a valuable asset. It, it, it's actually mind blowing to me, but I've seen it happen over and over and over again. Seven crazy ways that narcissists sabotage their own negotiations because now in that negotiation, they are sabotaging an asset that is no longer going to be as valuable. The mediator sees this, the other side sees this, the judge sees this, everybody is seeing what this narcissist is doing. It's crazy, that's number one. Number two is kind of related, but not completely related, and that is that they let their emotions take over. They let their emotions take over, and they end up doing something stupid. And this could be, you know, in the business, but it could be in other ways too. You know, it could be in the negotiations themselves. It could be right in the room, in the mediator's room. It could be with the kids. You know, I've seen where they take the kids and leave the country or I saw my own client one time decide to sign an alimony check with crayon with his left hand when he was right-handed and then you know obviously that ended up to be something that came back to bite him you know because everybody knew how ridiculous that was you know and then that sabotaged him in the negotiations because that was going to be something that was definitely going to be used against him in court you know so i had another client who found a cell phone where the wife had you know was there, there was very obvious text messages and emails on there that were evidence of cheating and he ended up giving away the leverage he, you know drank and dialed and he ended up giving away the leverage in the middle of the night, to her, you know, so ways that narcissists end up sabotaging their own negotiations. You know, he couldn't help himself by, you know, he had to call her and tell her that he had found those text messages, you know, because he had to tell her, you know, so. He let his emotions take over and he ended up doing something stupid. Don't let emotions take over ever. That's number two. Number three is that they lie all the time. They lie so much that they forget what they lied about and they can't keep track of their lies, which ends up being great leverage for you, by the way. So in my SLAY methodology, strategy, leverage, anticipate, and focus on you, which in my SLAY program, I teach you exactly how to organize all of this and create that leverage that you need for your negotiations. So that is exactly how you do it, is you take those lies and you create amazing leverage out of it. Because number three is that they lie and they don't even remember what they lied about. Okay, so that totally ends up sabotaging themselves. They completely, they lie about things they don't need to lie about. And they lie about things that are completely verifiable. It's ridiculous. So that's number three. Number four Number four is that they transfer money to bank accounts, you know, where that's verifiable as well. You know, you can see it on the bank statements. They transfer money to offshore bank accounts. They hide money. They withhold money. It's another whole thing they do. Everything with money that's just ridiculous, that's just stupid. And all that's verifiable because it shows up on the statements. And that ends up being. A complete sabotage against them in negotiations because that ends up being leverage against them as well. You know, so they end up moving money around, taking money, withholding money, not paying things on time or whatever. So that's number four. Number five is if you are in litigation with them during the negotiations is that they end up ignoring court orders and over litigating. Again, this is something that is so great for you because you can use this against them as leverage in negotiations. Because remember, narcissists don't want to be exposed. That is your best form of leverage. Remember you're looking at different forms of supply and that's how you potentially build your leverage is what is their biggest Achilles heel, right? Their biggest Achilles heel is how they look to the world. That's their that's their supply and they don't want to be exposed. So if you look at how can you potentially expose them, it's who do they not want to be exposed to? One of the people that they definitely don't want to be exposed to if you're litigating is the judge. And if they've been ignoring court orders and they've been over litigating, you can bring that to the judge's attention and say, your honor, this person has been ignoring your court orders or over litigating this case. And one of the things the judge hates more than anything, their sins against the court right? Make sure you let them know. Hey, they've been ignoring court orders. Definitely let them know that. All right, so that's number five. And it's all part of the whole karma. Karma never forgets. She never forgets. What goes around comes around. I promise you that. Karma is great. Number six. Number six is they cheat. And that is another great thing that they do, which sabotages themselves in negotiations. They cheat in many different ways. They cheat on their business partners, they cheat on their taxes, they cheat on their spouses, they cheat in all different, they cheat everybody. You can use that as leverage in negotiations. And by the way, if you are negotiating with anybody, make sure you grab my free, free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet at crushmydeal.com. Go to crushmydeal.com and grab my free ebook. It's a free 15-page ebook, which will help you get started with your negotiations. I've had many people win their entire negotiations just on that alone, and it's totally free. So make sure you grab that, okay? Number seven. Number seven is the best one that they do that they completely sabotage themselves with, which is... They do crazy things in public, post on social media, do things in front of witnesses, and then you have it. You have it for all the world to see, all the world's a stage. You can grab it for leverage forever because they do. They post it. They do it in front of your friends. They do it in front of your family, and everyone saw and they all do these crazy things. All of them. Okay. So you know what? They do know what they're doing. You know that they know what they're doing. You know that they know what they're doing is wrong. And I'm going to prove it to you by the end of this video. So first of all, how do they know what they're doing is wrong? You know that they know Because how do they start off the relationship with you? They don't start off the relationship with you by treating you poorly, do they? No, they start off by the charm. Whether it's a business relationship, whether it's a personal relationship, it doesn't really matter. They turn it on, they lay it on thick. They've studied people, they know how to... Look like amazing. They lay it on and and look, you know, like they're absolutely perfect for you in absolutely every way. So they know how to look perfect and wonderful and charming. They start off by looking like that. They know that that's how they're supposed to to be with people. And so here they come being wonderful, absolutely wonderful. They know that that's how they need to look in order to get you charmed, right? So that's what looking wonderful looks like. That's how they start off the relationship, looking wonderful. Let me get that for you. Let me help you. Let me be as wonderful as I can be. So that's that's proof number one. I know that in order to get you to think that I'm wonderful, I need to to seem wonderful to you. So that's number one. And number two is if you catch them doing something that they're not supposed to do, what do they do? Lying and denying right? I mean, if they didn't know it was wrong, why would they lie and deny it? Obviously, they would just say what they were doing, but they know that they have to lie and deny about it. That's, again, proof that they know their behavior is Wrong proof that they know it's unacceptable because if they didn't know what they were doing was unacceptable, they would just tell you, right? So, there again, proof. And again, with the projection and deflection, same thing you know, you catch them in a lie or that you catch them doing something, they project and deflect, same thing, same thing with their double lives, they all lead these double lives. You know, they have this sort of face that they don't show people, and then they have this face that they show people. This this mask that's like they want the world to see, and then they've got this other sort of very insecure side to them. There's a whole video that I have, by the way, on what happens when you catch a narcissist in a lie, which you can definitely check out if you'd like. And that's another whole story. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take 20,000 breaths a day. And according to the EPA, indoor air is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases up to 100 times more polluted. And data shows that air pollution is responsible for up to 7 million premature deaths globally. I know for myself, my family has struggled with asthma and so clean air is so important to us. And that's why having a good air purifier is so important to us. So what, the solution, introducing an air purifier that has captured the attention of media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and more, which is Air Doctor, which filters out 99% of air contaminants such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, and all sorts of things. And it even features a Whisperjet fan, which is quieter than all sorts of air purifiers. Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code, yourbestlife. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value, lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com ocom and use the promo code YOURBESTLIFE. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Forget the grocery store, you can count on HelloFresh to make everything easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Whether your resolution is to save money, eat better, stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three. And that's why I love their fresh ingredients, their chef crafted recipes, and you'll love the, the delivery right to your doorstep Everything is farm fresh. Everything comes right pre packaged to your doorstep. No hassle, no wasted food, and no boredom. You get 45 different recipes to choose from weekly, and you can even add on your market items. They choose you can whatever lifestyle you have, keto, whatever it is, you can choose from all of that as well. And what I love is that when it's time for dinner, you just go right to the refrigerator. You can pull it out. And if your spouse likes something different than you like, you can just choose whatever they like, and then you can choose whatever you love. And that's what the the really great thing is. And especially if you're both working, it's super easy, super convenient, and really, really healthy. So go to HelloFresh.com slash negotiate free and use the code Negotiate free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash negotiate free with the code negotiate free. America's number one meal kit. Another thing is that they do know that they have to behave at times and they behave when they have to that's another form of proof that they do know that their behavior is wrong that they do know when their behavior is unacceptable because they behave when they have to and it's you know it's very very manipulating and gaslighting by the way is another form of proof that definitely Shows that they know that their behavior is unacceptable and their behavior is wrong because they are using gaslighting as a form of manipulation. And they are very much deliberately using that as a form of trying to get somebody to believe that their reality is something different than what it actually is for their own benefit. So that they can have what they want, so that they can project and deflect away from whatever it is that they're doing so that they can get away with things or whatever it is that they want to get away with because they're manipulative. A lot of times if they're smart enough, especially the covert ones, they can see and and mirror what people are doing and behave in a way That they can see is supposed to be, oh, I'm supposed to act empathetic. I don't actually care what's happening in somebody's life, but I can pretend and I can see that that's how empathetic people act. So I can mirror that and make it look like i actually care. And so that that can become very very dangerous too. But they they know that that's like supposed to be how they act. But then when push comes to shove you can find out you'll find out the real story and you'll see oh like they didn't actually care. And then you'll see like that they knew that their behavior wasn't what it was supposed to be or whatever. And, and then again, you'll see that they proof proof that they knew their behavior wasn't what it was supposed to be. And again and again, you'll see where they know that their behavior isn't what it's supposed to be, but they don't care a lot of the time. You will see a lot of times they do tell on themselves to by the way that they speak, by the way that they act, by the way that they they write their text messages, by the way they write their emails, they they can't help but do that a lot of times. You know, it's really interesting when I teach people how to put together their strategy and their leverage in the slay program. I always tell people they are horrible and heinous to deal with, but they're actually very simple in the sense that their playbook is kind of the same, that patterns are very, very similar. They're not all that difficult to figure out once you have figured out that you are dealing with that personality type. They're actually pretty simple because they're all driven by one thing, and that is that narcissistic supply because they they do need that narcissistic supply. That is their food, it is their lifeblood, it is their oxygen. But there are many, many examples of how they do know that their behavior is wrong because they can behave when they want to, because they do. All the time, especially at the beginning of the relationship, how they got you in the first place. And, you know, when you're dealing with them in court, you can see them behaving in front of the judge, you can see them behaving with lawyers. I mean, you know, you see them behaving when they need to all the time. And that's your proof. Okay, so let's talk about shame. Obviously, you can't talk about shame without talking about Brene Brown. She is the queen of shame. I I always think it's funny when you talk about her. She tells a really funny story about how when she was on an airplane one time and she didn't really want to have a conversation with the person next to her. And the person said, oh, what do you do for a living? And she said, oh, I talk about shame. And the person was like, oh, never mind. I think I'll just take a nap. But basically she distinguished shame versus guilt. And she said that shame is I am bad Versus guilt, which is I feel bad. So shame is just deep down inside. I feel that I am at my core inherently bad. You know, there's something seriously wrong with me. And that really is the essence of what is going on with a narcissist. Unfortunately, that something happened with them when they were children. They weren't born narcissists. Nobody is born a narcissist, by the way. I mean, you know, when we're born as babies, We think the world is a pretty good place. You know, we're happy and fine and all is good. And all of us are born thinking we're good. You know, there's nothing wrong. And that's how it should be that we were actually born pretty good, lots of different possibilities. And we were meant to be here. And I tell people that all the time. You know, you were meant to be here. The chances of you being you were like one in 10 million trillion or something like that, which is kind of incredible. So it's really sad what happened to narcissists and to a lot of us. You know, the world beats us up. Something traumatic happened, in their childhood, that made them think that something was really seriously wrong with them, and they really just decided that the world is a scary place and that they're in a world of survival at the the most pathological level. And I always have to say, you know, at my my like PSA, my message to you, empaths out there: No, you can't fix them, and no, you can't love them back to health, and no, you can't stay with them and fill that dark black hole of void. From everything that I've read and all of the psychologists and psychiatrists that I've spoken to, they can't be fixed for the most part. I mean, the the level of self-awareness that they would have to have and the amount of therapy that they have to go through to be fixed is a lot. And most of them don't bother And if they do, you know, sit in therapy, most of them don't respond well to it. So I'm just telling you right now that your chances of sitting around and waiting for it are probably not very good. So I'm just saying right now, like, don't think that that's going to be the best solution for you. So that's just like my little aside there. So going back to the. Issue in hand, which is what is a covert narcissist is most ashamed of. All right. So that's the focus on the behavior, which is shame is I am bad. Okay. So they're ashamed of who they really are. And remember, their image is their obsession. And that's, you know, what I, I teach is like how you create leverage and, and the strategy around how to create that leverage. My sleigh strategy, strategy, leverage, anticipate, and focus on you is around that because their images, their obsession, because they feel completely worthless deep down inside. And everything that they do is this cycle around trying to focus on how to have everybody not see the fact that they feel completely worthless deep down inside. They don't even want to have anybody see that half the time. They don't even want to like see that half the time. They lead these double lives. They don't want anyone to know how much they have this self-hatred thing going on. They feel like nothing inside, and so they do everything they can to layer on all this external stuff outside all the time, and that's why exposure is their greatest fear. And like I said, that's why you know the greatest leverage against them is exposure. And I talk about that all the time. That's that diamond level supply is how they look so and and if you want to know more about the covert passive aggressive narcissist, I do have a whole video on that subject, which you can definitely check out. But you know, in my sleigh methodology. Creating that strategy, leverage, anticipating, focusing on you, the greatest leverage is potentially exposing them. And that the reason why is because their deepest sense of shame is they're deeply afraid of being exposed. But the sad thing is that they really are actually their own worst enemies because they're never going to get help. And they end up making all kinds of mistakes in negotiations because of this craziness that they engage in. You know, there's constant cycle of projection and deflection and constant lies. I mean, it's gotta be exhausting for them. I mean you can have compassion for it, but you can't help them. But they they do. They engage in this constant you know, projection, deflection and lying and denying and all of this stuff. But they're doing this all the time so the people don't see who they really are. Because their deepest sense of shame, the thing that they're the most ashamed of is that they, they have this deep sense of, of self-hatred. The deep sense of shame is I am bad, that I hate myself. That, that is, and I say that all the time, that the narcissist is way more afraid of you than you are of them. And when you start to push back against them, they will start to eventually back down. They're always the worst right before they're ready to give up. That is what happens. I mean, it's like a two-year-old having a tantrum on the floor. They always like scream the loudest right before they're ready to give up. but. They do always end up giving up. So don't you give in. I mean, they only win if you give up. Five unspoken regrets of narcissists. They don't talk about it because they don't want you to know that they can be weak. But they can. They have regrets sometimes. They're not the same kinds of regrets that regular, reasonable people have. You know, regular reasonable people can regret things like normal people have, you know, but these are their own special kinds of regrets. <laughs> I'm going to talk about them today in this video. So you're going to want to watch all the way till the end because there's a special kind of regret that's only reserved for narcissists. And I'm going to be talking about at the end here. All right. So number one, they regret that they can't love themselves more. I know. But this is actually, we should all be able to love ourselves in a certain way. You know, self-love is a really important thing, but this is not a a normal type of thing, right? With narcissists, they truly have no inner sense of value. That's what it really means to be a narcissist. They're just like a shell inside. It's an empty space. They feel truly empty inside, and and that's so unfortunate. That's why they're constantly trying to layer on these feelings of you know external value from external sources, which we call narcissistic supply. But it's almost like a sieve inside, or this you know, there's just no way to catch that. Feeling this empty black hole. And so, you know, you're constantly trying to fill the black hole. They want you to fill it. So you're left feeling totally and utterly depleted. They're left still feeling empty. And, you know, it's this endless cycle, unfortunately. I always say that they're sort of like the hollow chocolate Easter bunnies, you know, they look. Very pretty on the outside, but inside there's nothing going on. And unfortunately, they really do regret being unable to love themselves more. They can fake it. They're very, very good at mirroring what's going on. They're very, very good at reading people. It's kind of a survival skill that they've developed since childhood. But deep down, they just don't feel Worthy of that love. And, you know, so you empaths out there, I see you out there. You think that you're going to be able to love them back to health and you feel like you're going to be able to give them all this love. And it's interesting because I was actually talking to somebody yesterday who was interviewing me. And this person was talking about how she had been in a relationship with a narcissist. And she was like, well, you know, I hadn't grown up with a whole lot of love in my life or, you know, unconditional love. And I just thought, well, I don't need a whole lot. I can just give and I won't need to get a whole lot in return. So I'll just give and give and give to this person and it'll be okay. And I'll love this person back to health. And I'm going to prove to this person how much I love them. And it's so common with these empaths and narcissists and how they end up finding each other. You know, I actually have a whole video on the empath and the narcissist, which you guys can watch that video as well. But, you know, they just often feel this great deal of regret that there's they're never gonna be able to truly experience that internal feeling of self-love. So that's number one. That they have this unspoken regret that they're never gonna be able to love themselves more. So that's number one. Number two, they really do regret this the underlying feeling that they have of being so insecure. They do know that internally they have this insecurity. They're constantly trying to cover it up. And and obviously, all of us have insecurities. All of us have this feeling of trying to look good, avoid looking bad. Who wants to have that? I mean, we all kind of have that to a certain degree. And narcissism is you know on a spectrum but if you truly have narcissistic personality disorder this insecurity leads them to engage in defensive aggressive behavior which causes them to put people down start arguments especially on you know holidays people's birthdays you know, if they feel like they're going to be threatened in some way, if they feel like they're not going to be the center of attention, all of the things that narcissists do, right, that cause them to be narcissists. And ultimately, it ends up damaging their relationships and creating unpleasant environments for everybody around them and everybody involved. And, and ultimately, their insecurities many times sabotage their relationships and and sabotage a lot of things for them. In a lot of ways, they sometimes don't even realize because people just don't want to be around them. They do regret this deep down feeling of insecurity. They have this split thing going on because they have this true self and this false self going on constantly. And this false self is this outside personality that they've created. And the true self is the one internally that they have. So that's number two. Number three is sometimes they regret not being able to control their emotions. Because depending on the level of narcissist that you're dealing with, they really don't have the ability to control their emotions. How a narcissist was formed, created, was during childhood when they were constantly exposed to trauma, their brain was in this fight or flight mode. When all of us are in fight or flight mode, our brain emits chemicals in order to Allow us to be better, stronger, or faster so that we can run, so that we can fight, so that we can, you know, take care of ourselves. But those chemicals caused their brains to actually have, you know, arrested development, that limbic part of their brain. And what happens with narcissists is that part of their brain, that limbic part of their brain was not then fully formed. When they are then presented with situations where they feel that they are threatened, then that narcissistic injury then becomes triggered and that narcissistic rage then comes flying out. And you are dealing with somebody who is not rational and not reasonable. And they then are being controlled by their emotions and not by being a rational, reasonable adult at that point. And it can lead to outbursts of anger and hurtful words. And they say things in the heat of the moment. And this lack of emotional control Can cause them to be unstable and unpredictable, which can be obviously very off putting to others. I think that sometimes they do regret that because, again, it sabotages relationships, it can sabotage business deals for them at times. You know, many times we'll never regret that. They'll say, oh, that's how I wanted it, I didn't like that person, that's how it should have gone in the first place, So that person's a loser or whatever it is that they're going to say about it. They will oftentimes regret that that's how it ended up going down, and they'll oftentimes regret their behavior in that moment. So that is another unspoken regret of a narcissist. So five unspoken regrets of narcissists, number 3 is they regret not being able to control their emotions. Number 4 is they do regret that they can't empathize with others. And this is something that they do recognize that regular reasonable people, normal human beings do have that ability. And you know covert narcissists do develop the ability to mirror or say the right things. So if they're a true narcissists, they know that they don't actually feel it inside. And if you're with a covert narcissist for a long period of time, you inherently know that they don't actually feel it. you, you have that feeling in your gut that that person doesn't actually care. you can you can tell, when somebody truly cares and or when somebody's actually just going through the motions or saying the words, a true narcissist just doesn't actually care if somebody's child died or dog got run over in the street or whatever. They don't actually care about those things and they have to learn how to pretend to feel things for others or fit into society in that way because they don't actually you know they have to remember to say the right things or remember to care or know what it looks like to be understanding you know otherwise they they know that they're they're not going to fit in So, they wish and have regret about the fact that they don't actually have the ability to empathize with others. It can also make them quick to anger, slow to forgive, which again can damage relationships. And, you know, so they oftentimes don't have. A lot of good relationships, a lot of friends. You know, many people don't hang around with them for very long because of their inability to be able to form good relationships or have closeness with others. Because obviously, if you don't truly care about people, Many people aren't going to hang around with you for very long, right? So we've gotten through the first four, five unspoken regrets of narcissists. So recapping, number one was they regret not being able to love themselves more. Number two is they regret being so insecure. Number three was they regret not being able to control their emotions. Number four, was they regret not being able to empathize with others. Who can guess what number five is? You know that everything I said, I speak the truth so far, right? Ready for number five? All right, number five is they regret not being able to truly connect with other people. And that's really what it's all about because we all Want to feel that true love and connection with other human beings on the planet. We all do want to be able to inherently feel that. And unfortunately, as a narcissist, it is extremely difficult for them to be able to feel that. And I know you guys are mostly empaths out there watching me and you feel like you can save them or whatever it is that you're doing, but you're literally going to choke yourself out if you feel like you can do that because you can't. You are going to drown trying to save them. You can't because they can't be rehabilitated. It's sort of like, a, you know, an addict or something. They have to want to save themselves and they they can't. So, you got to save yourself. You got to put your own oxygen mask on here first. The way that you do that is by self-care, taking care of yourself, putting boundaries on and in place, right? Thanks for listening to today's episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Tune in next week for another edition of Negotiate Your Best Life. of Negotiate Your Best Life. Thanks so much for listening.